We're starting out the year by kind of getting back to basics in Science of Mind. And my promise last week, which, which I'm still intending to keep, is that somehow over the course of four weeks, this being week two, I'm going to give you all of the basic fundamentals that Science of Mind has to offer in terms of its basic teaching. So last week we started with the thing itself, which turned out to be God, which turned out to be huge. We talked about the power, the majesty, the wisdom, the love, everything that is God in its, uh, I think I coined the word jihugicness last week. Uh, so that was God. This week, we're going to pick up where we left off. If you remember last week, we left off with saying, if God is everything, then lo and behold, that means God must be right here as well, right? Because there's nowhere that God is not. So that means that there is a part of God that represents us, that we literally are a subset, just a, a smaller piece of that infinity, that ancient wisdom, that beauty, that joy, that love, that is spirit itself. So, so for those of you who are seekers, today you're being invited to be finders, because we don't have to go anywhere else out in the world to find God. It's right here. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, I have a bit of trivia for you. All right, so put on your thinking caps. Can people still say that, or does that date me? <laughs> put, put, put on your thinking caps, because I have a quiz for you. I would like some suggestions for the four most published books on the planet. Okay, trivial pursuit here. What are the four most published books on the planet? Okay, Bible, that is true. The Bible is the most published book. It comes in at two billion, not million, but two billion copies. Uh, guess for number two? <laughs> Actually, the Koran is among the top four. It's number three, and there are 800 million copies of the Koran in publication. But what's number two? Okay, uh, this is a tricky one. Believe it or not, it's the quotations of Chairman Mao at slightly over one billion copies published. Okay, now uh, number four. Harry Potter. I swear, I swear on that stack of, of, of billions of Bibles. Number four is the series of books, the Harry Potter series. Now, i got to ask you, you know, it totally makes sense to me why the top three are there. I mean, they're great spiritual works. They, they, I mean, they represent, really, the ancient wisdom of all time. But why Harry Potter? Now, over the holidays, I had the great pleasure to be uh, with my partners, uh, and nephews and niece, and so, so they're unwrapping presents, and we had dinner, and like, so then what should we do? Kids wanted to watch Harry Potter. So we watched, I think it was the one with prison and Azkabar. You know, I'm not like the best. I haven't read the books yet. But anyway, as I was watching the kids, it occurred to me why this series is so popular. Well, of course, they're well-written, obviously, and the movies are in, engaging, and the characters are very sweet. I think, I think all of us could find ourselves in, in perhaps even more than one of the characters in there. But what occurred to me, especially watching the kids, 
It was the power of magic, the idea that any one of us, no matter how small, no matter what our intelligence quotient is, no matter whether we come from a rich family or a poor family, you know, no matter what our circumstances, the ability to just pull out your wand, <laughs> right? To pull out your wand. Sharon, do you mind if I practice on you? Okay. Wingardium Leviosa. Do you, do you feel any lighter? <laughs> Let me try one more. Now, see, part of it's the technique, though, too. It's, it's uh, swish and flick. Wow, see, some of you know. Yeah, exactly. It's swish and flick. Wingardium Leviosa. Yeah, see? Oh, all right, all right, okay. All right. Well, enough of the wand, enough of the wand. You get the idea. Now, what I think is so ironic about this, what I think is absolutely so fundamentally ironic about this, is that all of us already have this magical power. All of us absolutely have the power to do everything right out of a Harry Potter book, everything right out of a Harry Potter movie, all of us, you know, whether you call it magic, whether you call it belief, whether you call it that inner knowingness, all of us already have this power. It's, it's written in for the ages, and in science of mind, we simply call it our ability for our thoughts to outpicture into the world. It's as simple as that. The fundamental teaching of science of mind is that the general course of thoughts that we have, not, not perhaps each individual thought, but the general outlook of our thoughts, of our ideas, of the impressions of our mind, will, without doubt, outpicture out into the world. Now, think about this for a minute, because I'm sure you're saying, if my life is so magical, if I have this ability of, uh, of levitating Sharon, among other things, like, what's gone wrong? Something horribly has gone wrong, because at least part of the time, even I would appear to be subject to trouble and disease and having a bad cold. You know, the things I would never wish for myself still, from time to time, come about. Why is this? If I truly was all-powerful, if truly with just a swish and a flick <laughs> I could have what I wanted, then what's up with that? And I got to tell you, after some thought, what I realized was that a lot of times my thoughts are absolutely poised to give me what I don't want. Now, Harry Potter, the whole series, of course, for, for those of you, I'm, I'm probably only having to catch up one or two of you who maybe haven't read the books or seen the movies, but the whole idea is this, as fairly young children, I think at age 11 or 12, they go off to wizard school, and they have a good six or seven years of training on how to use the wand. And thank you for correcting me with the swish and flick because there are whole courses in it at Hogwarts School uh, of Wizardry. And so the idea is, you know, these kids at a very early age are schooled on how to use their wands, how to do incantations, how to do potions, the whole nine yards. How well trained are we at using our own magical tool, our brain? In fact, I want to ask, have any of us actually had a course, even one course, let alone seven years of intensive training, on how to think? 
Now we go to school to learn things, right? We all can do our mathematical tables, you know, trigonometry. We've learned the capitals of Brazil. We've learned, you know, everything about, um, you know, um, you name it. We learn in school. But have they actually come up with a course telling us how to think? I don't think so. And my suggestion would be is if we studied with the same level of interest, the same level of rigor, the same level of just stick to itiveness on how to condition our minds to be thinking what we want to experience in the world instead of that which we don't want to experience in the world, our lives would be just as absolutely magical as something out of a Harry Potter novel. So what I'd like to do for the next couple of weeks, we've still got a couple of weeks in this series, I want us to begin the process. Instead of Hogwarts School of Wizardry, let's call it the Center's School for Thinking. And I'd like to start off with a homework. Uh, you know, I only get 20 minutes here on Sunday. So I'd like to start off with a brief piece of homework. They say that information is curative. And if we're going to begin this process of perhaps changing our thoughts, if each of us want to have a little bit better life in some area of what's going on around us, and we're going to have to change our thoughts, first of all, we need to know what we actually are thinking. And for most of us, our thoughts are just like, like wind blowing through our hair. It's like, who knows what might go through? We sense its... Pa- I mean, really, we, we kind of sense its passage. Oh, I just had a thought about... You know, when I was a kid, oh, I just had a thought about my ex-husband. Oh, I just had a thought about not quite having enough money to pay all the bills this month. You know, our thoughts kind of come, and just like the wind ruffling my hair, then they're gone again. But they seem to come unbidden, and sometimes I might say unwelcome. So if we're going to begin this process of changing and actively pursuing having thoughts of a certain type that are apt to bring us more of what we want in the world, then we have to know what the thoughts are. So my homework assignment for you this week, and and I hope you'll take me up on this, is find an area in your life where things are not going as well as you'd like them to be. And I'll throw out some suggestions. Maybe you're having health challenges. Maybe you're having uh, problems with your checkbook. Maybe there are relationships in your life right now that are not quite going as well as you'd like them to be. Maybe, uh, maybe there's some uh, disharmony with your significant other or with a, a parent or a child. Whatever it might be that's not going the way you would like it to be. And what I'd like you to do is sit down one day this week, pad a paper, and actually write down your beliefs as best as you can come up with them for that particular area in your life. So, so let me take one. Okay, uh, I'm working a little bit on vitality in my own life right now. Whatever it is, whether it's the season, whether it's too much packing as I move my stuff into my new house, I don't know what it is, but I've been experiencing lately just feeling tired a lot, kind of run down. And so uh, uh, for me, I'm going to take my ideas about health. And if I were to sit right down right now and write down everything I thought about health, it would be very interesting because there are some things in there that I would suggest to you I don't need to believe, and it would probably be better if I didn't believe them. Beliefs such as, as I get older, my vitality and abilities will diminish, for instance, right? 
or beliefs such as, if I get run down a little bit, undoubtedly I will become sick. Or beliefs such as, uh, gosh, if I spend three or four days of packing this week, there isn't going to be time for anything else, and I'll probably get out of sorts and grumpy, which people told me that I have a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so you can see, (laughs) yeah, well, it could be true. It could be true. So you can see where I'm headed, right? Now, are these things that ideally I would want to have in my mind, Or are these thoughts, if I continue with them, if I have them really held close to my heart as something I believe is true, I know to be true, are they not actually apt to produce the opposite of what I want? Let me read from Ernest Holmes. This is right from the second chapter out of this beautiful book called The Science of Mind. And this is the chapter that we're studying this week. Ernest Holmes says... In our ignorance of the truth, we have misused the highest power we possess. And so great is this power, so complete is our use of it, so absolute the domain of law through it, that the misuse of this power has brought upon us the very conditions from which we suffer. We are bound because we first have free choice. The power which appears to bind us is the only power in the universe that can also free us. This is why Jesus summed up his whole philosophy in the simple statement, It is done unto you as you believe. So now think about this. If I'm choosing to believe that as I get older, my activity levels and vitality are going to be diminished then so it is. If I'm choosing to believe that if I get a little run down, you know, a little too active or not enough sleep, that I'll get ill, well then, so it is. If I believe somehow that we're in the middle of flu season and that everyone's getting the flu and we have a common agreement around this, well then, so it is. And that's just one subject, just the idea of health. Multiply this out, if you will, by thoughts of lack and limitation, thoughts of anxiety, maybe around uh, interactions with someone that you're having issues with. You know, multiply this out in terms of all of your lives, and is it any wonder that the universe looks like a pretty mixed up and crazy place? It's because we're using this power without really thinking about it. We're using this power in kind of just a reactionary way. And as often as not, we're holding really close to us in the most profound idea of truth and, 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 uh, and fervor that which we don't want to experience. Okay, so enough of this lecture on how we should be thinking. And the rest of this month, we're going to talk more in great more detail about how we can turn this around. But first of all, I just want each one of us to be a little more aware in some area of our life of our actual thoughts about the conditions going on. So if you're having money issues, write down your beliefs and thoughts about money. Things like, there's never enough to go around. Uh, things like... Uh, you know, I only ever have enough to pay the bills. What, you know, whatever your thoughts around money or relationships or, um, or freedom or what, you know, whatever it might be, that's your homework for this week. And then in com- the next couple weeks, we're going to focus then on how to change those around. But you know what? I think that the mere act of writing them down and perhaps, if you can, having a little smile about them 
may in itself begin that process that is curative. That process of kind of confronting what your understanding is, and almost immediately you can say things like, oh my gosh, well it's no wonder there isn't enough money to pay off that credit card account, because I don't believe I ever will. Oh my gosh, no wonder every time I talk to my mother-in-law, it seems like we're fighting, because you know what? That's what I believe is going to happen. So almost, almost just the mere fact of you being aware of what's going on in your own mind will begin to have an curative effect. And then we're going to add to that in the next coming weeks. Okay, so we're going to choose next week to start believing in something different. And I, I remember, for those of you that are friends of Alice in Wonderland, I think the Red Queen gave Alice some advice. She said, you know, every day before breakfast, I want you to, to learn six uh, impossible things. And Alice was kind of like, well, gee, thanks a lot. And you know, we're actually going to accomplish that. We are going to accomplish to turn around our lives. And it may seem a little weird and funky at first, but what I know is that we have power over our own thoughts. With some training, maybe not the se- even the seven years that's required at Hogwarts School of Wizardry, what I know is over the course even of weeks ahead of us, we will begin to actually change the temper of our thoughts, banishing some of our thoughts of lack and limitation, letting go of some of our thoughts of I'm not good enough or I can't do it, and replacing them with that full creativity that is God, that full power that is God, that love that is God, that harmony and peace that is at the very center of God, that wholeness that is God itself that I know is within each one of us in this room. So I'd like to close today with another quote from Ernest Holmes, and here is how he finishes this beautiful chapter on the way it works. He says, in our ignorance... Oh, that's not it. I just did that one. Here we are. Let us begin to accept today more good than we experienced yesterday, and to know that we shall reap a harvest of fulfilled desires... The time must come when we shall have left the apparent evil behind, when it shall be rolled up like a scroll and numbered with the things which were only once thought to be. Let us realize and work with this sound knowledge and perfect faith, that as high as we shall make our mark in mind and spirit, so high shall its outward manifestation be in our material world. So let us pray. On that altar of the Most High, I simply recognize that all there is is God. As we discussed last week, God is every person, every place, everything, every situation. God is that infinite love and abundance and peace and wholeness. All good things are indeed God. And as I know it true, as a general principle, I know that it's true for me. And I know that it's true without question for each person in this room. We are absolutely God-centered beings. And as such, for this week and beyond, I know that each person here has that ability to begin monitoring their own thoughts, to become aware of their own beliefs around situations in their lives that could be improved upon. That each person here can, in this week, 
become more and more aware of what's going on in their own head. Starting that process of self-awareness, starting that process of self-determination, starting that process of simple self-interest. And I am just grateful for this. I am simply grateful in recognizing the power, the presence of God in each person in this room and the willingness to embark upon a series of improvements. And so for the graciousness of God that is this willingness, for the love and beauty and power of God as it takes the form of each person in this room, I simply say, and so it is. Thank you very much. Thank you.